Welcome to Revival in Jesus' Way. Revival can happen now when you follow the way of the Master in all aspects, making disciples in His way, reasoning for truth in His way, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as He did. We encourage you to dream big for God's kingdom. I'm your host, Tim Cahoe. And I am Ying Yan Xu. You're listening to episode 19, Foundation 8. Test the justice through God's justice standards. This is the second episode for God's attributes. Yeah, so I want to start out with just a quick definition of God's justice. So God's justice is his standard based on his character for how people should treat one another. Justice happens through righting the wrongs when people do not live up to that loving standard. And also for how people should treat God. Mm, yeah. well, how, how people, how not just people, people, angels, how all of the creations actually include himself should relate, behave. Yeah, relate, relate and love one yeah. another, really. Um, exactly. And so we have... Uh, a kind of clear one one way that we can look at this is really look at the way justice is the idea of justice is distorted today. Um, there's a kind of cool resource um, from PragerU that um, talks about these compasses on the left versus kind of the standard compass of justice and how there's this kind of Marxist ideology that's really made its way into society in a lot of ways today. And it kind of skews how we look at justice. We recently had a lot of riots and, and, and justice was a big topic recently with the Black Lives Matters movement, um, with these tragedies that happened in different places um, where black people were uh, sometimes mistreated by police. But then it turned into this movement, too, of where the slogan, no justice, no peace. And a lot of times um, what I mean, there were I think there were a lot of people who probably gave this slogan and they really were thinking about the real idea of justice. Like they really wanted punishment for wrongs done. Now, when people shout out justice on street, I just want to know what is their real definition? Mm -hmm. Do they really have the golly picture of justice? What, what, what would be some of the, you know, uh, uh, people's definition for justice? What do you think? Yeah, so, I, and I think just the movement Black Lives Matter in general too, it, it kind of reveals there's this kind of critical theory. Uh, it's called critical theory behind the way that they look at justice. And this PragerU resource uh, explains it well. It talks about how there's this compass of right and wrong. And this is the kind of justice that we'll be talking about, about God's justice. It's um, this the justice of really looking at a situation and, and judging it based on how people really treat one another from their intent. But then critical theory instead is justice, um, rather than based on good and evil, it's a, it's based on status and power. So basically, if you are more, quote unquote, powerful in a society or you have a higher status um, in the older, typical uh, Marxist thinking, then you are considered to be automatically more evil. And in, in critical theory, you're considered to have these under the surface biases against people who are on this lower pole on the status pole than you. So 
And this can be financial status. It can be racial status. It can also be sex, whether you're male or female. If you're the primary person or you're the one who kind of gets more respect in society, then you're seen automatically possessing more evil or automatically kind of being by nature of who you are more evil than the other one. And then the idea is that justice should work in such a way that the person on who's lower on that power scale should actually automatically get preferred treatment. Wait, so you talk about that、um, two standards, two definitions for justice. One is based on right and wrong, morally right and wrong. So one is based on actually us. Uh, social status, status, power, and those other things. So,、uh, give me an example. So,、uh, the example of justice would be someone goes into a courtroom and they're accused of stealing, and there's a there's a law behind stealing, and and based on the amount that they stole, they need to pay back that amount, or they need to、um, do a predetermined time, maybe in prison or something like that, if they can't afford it back, because the crime has a certain punishment based on the. The way that it breaks from the standard, actually, and then it's to the extent, and so it should be colorblind,、uh, social status blind.、Uh, if someone steal, that person get punished. No matter that person is male or female, no matter that person is rich or poor. Yeah, no matter what. So the standard, no matter what that person has or is.、Um, It's mainly based on the intent of that person's heart. Do they really mean to steal? Like that is an important question, and we see in the scriptures this question is actually something very important very early on in the Old Testament. But if that person really had intent to steal, then they should pay for that stealing, and it's based on a payment that is not really based on a person's status or anything like that. It's You stole this amount, and you owe this amount, or you owe this punishment. About stealing, it's not. It's not about、uh, whether that person、um, have the motivation, have the motivation to、um, to do that. It's it's about the act you act out that you you indeed steal that thing. Yeah, you indeed steal that thing, and you had the intention to do it. So, like, there's a number of things in、um, scripture that talk about. Um, whether or not that person intentionally did this or that, whether or not that person meant to do this, whether or not he killed his neighbor, whether it was an accident, like he dropped a rock on his head because he was doing something else, like that's still bad and that still owes a punishment. But actually, it's not as severe as if someone like kind of takes a rock and they plot and then they throw it on the other person. So the intent of someone is also something that we judge, and this is like in the legal system、um, that we have. That where we look at motive, what's that person's motive should also be considered because you're looking at the act, and based on is this a murder or is this a、uh, manslaughter, and then based on what it is, then there is a certain punishment that's delved out regardless of class, regardless of race, regardless of any other factor, regardless of sex or anything else. It's there's this punishment, and now you will face the punishment for breaking that. Standard that law that communal、um, standard of goodness. So in general,、uh, even if it's a poor person robbed from a rich person, in God's eyes, it's wrong. Yeah, and so critical theory 
kind of takes this and puts it on its head. And we actually see this through, the, there was a recent article on a state that's trying to make basically, if you're homeless and you steal and you steal from someone who's more wealthy than you, actually they're trying to give less of a punishment or even not give a punishment for that. Because the idea is that person is, and a lot of times you see this in this kind of literature, that person is kind of forced into that situation. So there's a lot of this like discussion of, oh, well, if they, if, if you look at it this way and you see that, oh, they didn't have any choice but to do this wrong thing, then we should exempt them um, every time. Um, and, but critical theory tries to do this as a rule. So anytime there's a situation where someone who is lower on that power scale, when they do something, if they do something wrong, it's not as wrong as if someone who's higher on that uh, power scale does it. And then there's this this idea that people who are in that higher power scale, whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not, they start out with these um, evils, you know, within themselves. So if you are basically white in a culture where white is a prevalent um, race, then you automatically have racism, systematic racism, that you're delving out towards those on the lower scale just by living your life in a normal way. And it's specific to that higher power scale. If you're more financially, like say like in society, if you have a higher, um, if you're paid more, if you have more wealth, then automatically you're mistreating those people underneath of you. You have this bias against people who are poor. You can't see from their perspective completely. And so you need to accept that you're mistreating those people. You need to accept that by just by being that, that you automatically are unjust, more of um, on the side of someone who has less and trying to look at someone who has more and that lack of satisfaction. And I think it's, but I think for either side, whether it's poor or rich or whatever, I think while there might be some biases or some things going on, um, really it's kind of justice is looking at the action, the thing that was done, and the intent of the heart, and really judging whether or not this was right or wrong. And like we said, like there are some sins maybe that are more prevalent with people who have maybe more wealth, maybe people who have less wealth, um, depending on where they're at. But sin is something that's universal. Sin is something that happens whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're black or you're white, whether you're Asian, whatever you are, whether you're a man or a woman, Sin is something that's prevalent in us regardless. And so we really need a standard of justice that takes a look, kind of, you know, has that, you have the picture of um, Lady Justice and with the blindfold on with the scales. And the idea there is that she doesn't, she doesn't use anything except the scales of justice, except what has happened and what's right and wrong in this situation. She judges just based on that. Now, this is the, the picture of justice. Um, an example that we had talked about at one point um, was actually, yeah, so I, I want to talk for a second about just um, explaining justice philosophically, thinking about the basis for justice. So ju justice comes from God's character. It's it's internal to him. And, and something that the Trinity actually gives us in Christianity, which is unique in all of all other religions, is that the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity says that before God created anything, before there was one created thing, there was God and God was three persons and there was love in this relationship. 
that God was love at that time. And why was God love? Because he loved the Son. God the Father loved the Son. And God the Spirit, you know, loved the Father and loved the Son. And there was this this love and this this authentic, good relationship that went on with them and this this constant love between them. And God wanting to share that love actually is what we see a lot of times the motivation of creation, wanting to create creatures that could also love and and live out this true goodness um, that that comes from that Trinity sort of love. Um, but whenever that standard is broken, so we see it and in... among them, there was complete trust and respect and understanding. Hmm. And justice existed then because it's in God, but because um, among the Trinity that they wouldn't violate that. So you don't see like justice carry out. Hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you don't see in the Trinity, you wouldn't see that kind of, there is no need for punishment because there is that complete trust, that complete respect and understanding, like you said. And there's this, uh, but whenever it began to go into the world and there's sin, there's sin from Satan, there's sin from humanity. And then there's this sin nature. Now there's a world that has evil, has a lack of that kind of complete sort of love. And that lack of complete sort of love, now it opens up the road for the need for punishment, the need for um, redemption, the need for this uh, a system of justice to deal with the evils that are going on that that are not according to this kind of love. And one thing that's a hard truth, actually, in just thinking about that is really to God um, this justice or really the, the lived out authentic true love and this kind of society, this kind of community is actually more important than a lot of times individual people and people's happiness. Because to God, it's that this this society and and not just to God, but in reality, this kind of this unless it's this, unless it's really according to God's loving standard. And it starts to break off from that. It it does become more and more evil. It does become more and more of people abusing each other. People not not really. Um, there there's always this hidden motive of this selfishness. It's this deep down kind of not. It, it it's like so much less than what we were created to be. And the only way we really get to that is really if there's true justice. So that this true justice, a lot of times, you know, does delve out punishment, does delve out um, real retribution and those things because the the goal of justice, because the the reality of the world that God is working is so much grander, is is so much grander than what there is. And the injustice and in what there is now is so high. It says like the injustice reaches the, you know, the ears of God, you know, people mistreating each other, people not living according with each other the way that they ought to live. The And one example we see of this is actually the parable of the vineyard that Jesus tells. And it says that, that a rich owner owned a vineyard and um, he set certain people in charge of it and then rented out a vineyard and then he sent certain people to take charge of it and uh, and take care of it while he was gone. Well, he began to send and try to get some of the fruit and the things for the vineyard for his vineyard. He was like, "Hey, can you know? Hey, you know, sent servants to hey, can you um, bring back some of the my fruit?" And then they beat the servants and wouldn't give anything to them. 
And eventually these um, people who were in the vineyard, they even killed the son of this vineyard owner because they knew in their hearts that if it was either them or this vineyard owner, they wanted to care for the vineyard the way that they wanted to. They wanted the fruit for themselves. They wanted this place. They knew either they get to run it their way. They get to choose how they want to, what they want to do with it and how they want to treat this vineyard or, or, or the owner does. It's either them or the owner's way. And because they wanted their way, actually, they wanted to kill the son and they wanted to kill the owner actually is the ultimate goal. They didn't want the owner to be in authority there. And, and it's the same that in our, uh, in our human world, uh, God tries try to tell us that actually when we are in uh, rebellious, um, uh, we want to run this world in our own way. And we either, if people are strong enough, people can kill God. And that's what human beings try to do, actually. That's why Jesus was on the cross. That And that was also why uh, so many Christians and also those prophets in Old Testament, they were persecuted. It's because they represent God. They share God's message. And people want to run their life, wants, wants to run this world in their own way. But, but even that, actually, eventually they cannot because, because we, we are uh, created. So we need that God's life, actually, for us to live forward. So we live in this world every day. We depend on that God's grace, that God didn't cut us off completely. Um, I mean, for people don't submit to God yet. So it's either we are... Join with Satan. We we join with Satan. Uh, range war against God. We are going to lose, or we submit to God and then want God to rule us. But what we try to talk about, uh, it's a hard topic. But what we try to wrestle about is love and justice and God's goodness, truth. They are part of God. They are. Uh, the character of God expressed out. So you cannot just like, I want God, but I don't want God's justice. I want God, I don't want God to reign. I don't want God kind of love, like what we talked about last episode, to, uh, but, but we want God. So it's, 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 it's just the part, unless God dies, unless, you know, God doesn't reign, God, God was killed. God's justice must come through, even though the whole world, we say, if even say 99% of people go against that and, and in the end to a place like want to fight against God of no return, then all of those people will be taken away from God's favorable face. Mm, yeah, from the place where God is really building a community together with himself, right? That city the new heaven a new earth from, yeah from god's kingdom from it because it cannot coexist mm, right yeah, Can, cannot right. you you cannot have your sinful way your injustice or your definition of of justice and coexist because this whole world every grass every animal everything every breath you take belongs to god mm. you belong to god that's right yeah that's a good explanation um 
One kind of interesting example we thought of, and it's uh, something that's talked about actually, whether it's um, probably just about any country, you talk about the French Revolution, when you talk about history, and it's always presented as this big turning point. In a lot of ways, it it is in, in the world, it, it's a time when we went more from where you had these land owners to where where kind of the it the world opened up more to where people individually kind of had ownership and this is it was a big moment in that change um but the french revolution is usually presented kind of this way like there are these serfs which were these overall landowners and not just you know they're all over europe and different countries um and they owned um land and then they had farmers and people who worked on their land um these farmers and people would pay a tribute to those uh, serfs or those owners and they're usually dukes or people of high regard in their country well when the french revolution happened there were actually a lot of things happened prior where there was uh these famines and things where the people began to starve and those serfs or people who are in charge of those large area land instead of taking care of their people, they kind of let them starve, let them do, um, let them die, let them suffer a lot. And then they themselves kind of lived in richness um, in a lot of places. And so in the French Revolution, the people and the farmers who were in this kind of bad situation, they rose up and they fought the landowners and eventually kind of took the land back and eventually took the country because even the king was killed. The 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 royalty in the country were actually killed as a result of the French Revolution. Now, a lot of people presented that way, like, oh, these good farmers and people, you know, they just fought back. They just did what they had to do. Right. Justice prevailed. Yeah, justice prevailed. But then when you really think about the situation and when you read about some the extreme violence that happened through this. There are many choices and things that actually the farmers and and those people, the the people who are on the very lowest rung of society, they did things that were really evil. Um, there was a lot of evil that went into that. We can say that the situation they were in was terrible, and really, it justice required a response, and it did. And in a way, there was really good that happened there. But then there are many instances within there of the, what the farmers did that was evil. There were people who um, probably used this situation to their advantage, who maybe killed landowners that really weren't so evil, but because there was a movement of that, it gave opportunity to do really evil things. But a lot of those actions were never judged. They were never you know, taken care of. And a lot of times we kind of ignore that side of it. Because of this narrative, this kind of critical theory narrative, we often ignore that there was a lot of evil that went into the other side as well although historically we uh, we look at the situation kind of like the the weak kind of were able to overcome these strong overbearing rulers well that's not the complete and whole story mm -hmm. and the reason we mention about this is because we we um i want to encourage um, Christians here with the Bible knowledge you have, with the understanding of God you have, you can think about how uh, God would judge this case. Yeah, that's right. And so, but yeah, I think that's what this is a good example to bring up. When we think about God's justice, God doesn't just look at the situation overall and say, well, you guys were 
you know, in this kind of bad situation, you guys are okay. Even you guys who did, you know, evil in that situation, I'm ignoring it because of the overall narrative. A lot of times we do this and we corrupt justice this way. But God looks at the situation. He looks at each person's deeds. And um, we'll get to this uh, a little bit. Uh, well, we can talk about it a little bit. But then some good, good examples of this, actually, Revelation 20. Um, it says that it talks about Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15. Um, it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. And then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged on what was written in the books according to what they had done. Um, so, and then it says, And the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So, like God's, and then Romans 2, 6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. Romans 2, 15 and 16 said that uh, it talks about the Gentiles who obeyed according to what they knew. It says, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts either accuse or excuse them on that day, according to my gospel, when God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So there's this judgment in God's standard that will happen one day. This is a, a real day they're talking about in God's time, and that there will be this day when there really is every deed from every person will be completely judged. You know, people will be judged on an individual basis. Uh, what does it mean that God judges? First, um, Paul said, according to my gospel, people will be judged. And it says, God judges the secrets of man by Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what does it mean by Christ Jesus? Yeah, so it talks about the secrets of men being judged. And this is a really important point about the that it's every person every deed and even the secrets on people's hearts the the very intention that god's judgment is is the most righteous it's really all the way to what the intention was and that punishment will be um based on that and i think the that it talks about that God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. It's really according to Jesus's standard. And that's what we talked about from the beginning here, where this Trinity love that Jesus was, you know, he still is part of that Trinity, but he became flesh. You know, he's the a human part of the Trinity now, and he's he became flesh. And this Jesus Christ, who walked and was a person, and behaved as a person, interacted with people as a person, you know, lived out his life towards a mission, you know, as a human being, that that is the basis of what we'll be judged by. What would, you know, that we talk about WWJD, what would Jesus do? But really, that's the standard that we'll be judged by on Judgment Day, is in that situation, if Jesus was in the situation you're in, what would he have done? You know, if Jesus was in the French Revolution, and he was the, the workers at that time, how would he have reacted to the the kind of evils of that time how would he have step by step gone through those actions mm -hmm. each of those farmers actually we think about that when we think about this french revolution situation each of those farmers and each of those serfs will each face god on judgment day and all of their deeds will be seen before god all of their actions through this process will be judged and sometimes even the serf who worked or the farmer that worked under the surf will be judged 
will have an even harsher judgment than the serf did. And there'll be some serfs who were living at that time who really, they're, maybe they were, did not commit evil towards the, the people who worked for them, but they were killed still and that because of the situation, because of people taking advantage of it. So God's standard completely will judge each person. God, in a way, he sees the overarching story, but that is not going to be part of his judgment. He's going to look at what are the intentions of your heart, what have you done, according to every work. Because Jesus fasted 40 days and he still refused to, in every way, um, uh, disrespect God. Um, uh, he, he, he refused to disobey God's word. Um, and I'm just, other examples just at the, at the border, uh, we, we hear different um, illegal immigrants that oftentimes the, the reason they gave is just, oh, if I don't do this, I, I starve. Um, I'll be hungry. Uh, I have to lie. You know, I have uh, I have to lie to get a citizenship. Now I have to lie about the things about my kids because now I'm here. They have to come. Uh, mm-hmm. We cannot be separated. But in all the circumstances, think about it. Would Jesus? What would Jesus do? Would Jesus lie to get that? Would um um it is it, just the people think if I don't sin against God then I cannot take care of myself here. It's it's really people don't, people just don't afraid of God, don't afraid of God's standard. Mm, and they don't also, on the other hand too, they also don't, there's a lack of trust there. Whatever situation if we that say. that person is a Christian. Yeah. And I think in general, just we all have that knowledge of who God is. You know, that God is the righteous king. He's the righteous creator of all things. I think that that is that's built into us in a way. And so this knowledge that God is the good creator, really, we all have the opportunity to just put our trust in that God is the good creator and that he will have us, that he will, like, in spite of the difficult situation. And especially, most especially for Christians, we are supposed to trust God in all the situations that we're in. But a lot of times there is this standard of, oh, well, um, I had to do this not according to God's standard. I have to live. not according. I can't follow God completely because what if this happened? Because, because this has happened before. What if this happened to me? But in a way, this is, this is a, a lack of really trusting that, God, you, you're you in this relationship with God. God is going to be really be with you. He said he's with you. He's going to be with you. And then if God has called you to do what's right, and he's called all of us to do what's right, to seek and follow his will. And takes your life. I mean, if God asks someone to, you know, to risk his life to be righteous, but still on the judgment day, think about it. That person is come up with victory and with the crown of life but then but then some but then someone to um compromise compromise god uh compromise god's standard and really do evil and keep using those excuses think about on the judgment day mm. that person can only i mean can only 
blame God. Like, see, you put me in the situation that I have to sin. So it's your fault. Mm. And I think but that it won't work. And I think 90% of the time, it's not really the situation is not so dire as we like yeah. to present it. You know, we, I think we like to give these extreme. There's a very common thing that we've seen a lot. And, and we probably had done it in um, our history. I think it's easy for human nature to do that. But you give like an extreme example. Well, what if this happened? And but then in reality, there's very little chance that that is going to be your situation. But then we use that a lot of time as justification. Again, that's one reason I love the French Revolution example. Like, oh, well, what if this person takes you know, advantage of me in this way, like has happened here? Like that doesn't mean that that is necessarily what will happen. And you need to look at your own situation too. Is you know, like that. I think a lot of times those are used as a way of like excuse, you know, as a excuse for doing what we would like to do rather than following God's standard. Mm -hmm. And I really like uh, the verse here, um, the Revelation 20, uh, 12 to 15 here is talks about the sea gave up the dead um, and death and Hades gave up the dead, like gave out the dead actually. So it, it means like even, even someone may be falling to the sea and die and then it's just different ways, kind of like even nobody know this person, this person just kind of disappear, but then all people will mm. be resurrected and appear in front of God. Mm. And, and then this, uh, it's such a, such a moment, it, it, it's such a day that the judgment day that we see the real justice comes through, no matter it's um, uh, evil poor people or evil rich people or evil male people or evil female people nobody and no act and no thoughts can run away from uh, God's book mm. God has a book and write it down and then the other point here that really just goes along with it is that God is not partial and this is a huge theme throughout scripture um, just in verses I looked up um, Job 34.19, Acts 10.34, Galatians 2.6, Ephesians 6.9 are examples of God um, not showing partiality. And then some examples of God um, saying or commanding us not to show partiality are Exodus 23.3, Deuteronomy 16.19, 1.17, Proverbs 24.23, James 2.9. Um, Leviticus 19.15 specifically says, You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you shall judge your neighbor fairly. And this is this is like, um, it's really a beautiful picture when you begin putting together, I mean, really every person from every age, no one escapes this judgment. It's every deed will be put on display and it's not partial. You know, God is commanding people not to show partiality, whether poor or great or whatever. He's saying, I'm going to judge the full situation. I'm going to judge what you did based on your real intent at that time. And if you really intended harm to the other, if you really intended to not really have the standard of love, if you really broke that and you really, according to what you did, you will be judged. So there's this, this standard that is um, unpolluted in a way, I think is a good, like overall way of putting it. It's, un, it's an unpolluted justice is what God is talking about. And that's the standard we're supposed to be living out. Um, I know I've gotten in discussions with people before you start to talk about, 
critical theory and things like that. And people will mention about how corrupt judges and, and things like that. But what we're talking about is really the standard should be that judges are really being like this. They're showing that impartial blind justice, you know, blind in the sense of not looking at any other factors, not trying to defer to people because they're very great. You know, when a person comes in and they're an actor, they have a lot of money, they're actually judged according to the same standard. Or when someone comes in, whatever else their case may be, they're judged according to the same standard. And then in our own lives, we're judging according to the standard of what is what, based on a person's act and based on that intent for mm -hmm. the act. And think about the why the thinking of uh, uh, powerful people might be, uh, not might be, powerful people must be more evil. This is really a satanic thinking. Because when Satan look at, look at, look at God, he is more powerful than him. So automatically he's worse because Satan wants to reign. It's kind of like that's kind of evil root in human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see that with God, actually. Otherwise, there is no evidence. Yeah. What is the evidence? Like um, powerful people must be more evil. Well, one single powerful person, if they have specific evilness or specific evil things they do, God will see big or small, and they should be judged because of the things they do, the, the thoughts they have are evil. It's not because they are powerful. Mm. Yeah, so um, to kind of finish up with the time that we have left, I think that just making these studies too, or these talks, um, good for kind of application as well. One application is really looking at justice um, God's justice when it comes to doing an evangelistic study or doing a Bible study with someone else. Um, the example passage that we picked out was Acts 5, 1 through 11. Um, so I'll read the passage as the, um, the disciple or the teacher, and then um, Anne can kind of interact as someone who is a non-believer. And we can kind of, you, you can kind of have this as an example of talking through some verses um, with another person. Yeah, so it means like when, when we try to help people to have those foundation, it not necessarily like we, we gave like, hey, this is a talk, you, you look. Because people learn through um, uh, those stories and like through reading the whole Bible, that people more and more have the idea what kind of a God he is. Mm -hmm. um, so, well, I mean, people can pick up uh, some verses and then just, tell you, hey, God is holy, God is this. Um, but still, those concepts need to be wrestled through in it. So we call it evangelistic Bible study. Oftentimes, we help uh, seekers to, uh, serious seekers to study the Bible, to yeah. to um, to have all those, I mean, all those topics in, uh, almost all the topics in the foundation series, right? Mm. In an organic way. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and that's, and also that's the idea of the foundation series is it's, this will this series covers a number of topics that really make up the foundation, but it it's not really going to be set for people just through listening through this. It's also systematic Bible study, really going through books, treating the the Bible books like we had talked about earlier as as real books or letters or whatever that however they were written, and really reading through them, catching the meaning, catching the purpose of it, and really wrestling through it is is really where these concepts really begin to take root.
And then in action, you know, applying and acting out those things and helping people to see how they can apply and act out those things. Um, but Bible study is kind of the core, one of the core disciplines to really imparting these things. Um, so I'll read um, the verses and then we'll interact a little bit. Okay. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not still under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And he heard these words, and Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came over all who heard it. The young men got up and covered him, and carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether or not you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. And Peter said to her, Why have you agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over those who heard these things. So, Anne, uh, what do you think of this passage? Well, I think this is a very... Um unusual story um i think it shows god is very strict i mean everybody know uh uh lying is wrong um and here of course maybe it's because the apostles specifically ask um and then they lie directly to the apostle and god wants to make an example I, i'm just not sure it um can i draw a you know a general understanding of god is very strict very holy or or this is something uh special yeah so i think um actually like you pointed out um it's interesting that this does really point out a holiness of god i think as we read more in the scriptures too you'll really see this as something that comes out again and again how holy and actually good god is um and it's really according to um we can think about like morality kind of as a whole um here or ethics is that we see that um you know god is the creator you know god is also the um he he's the one who made us really there's this kind of respect like you show for your parents or people who kind of have that authority over you. Um, and there's a level of respect that we show to them, but then to God even more so, he He is our creator. And really that that honesty and trust uh, before him, like that's the the way that we can really relate in in a community. I understand why this is wrong. Like, like what I said in the beginning, while well, it shows God is very strict, very holy, lying is wrong. Um, and... They, I mean, that's a big thing. They immediately died. Um, and uh, 
what I mean is like, is is this a special event? Because it seems like it it doesn't happen in other places in in a book of Acts, right? It's so so what I mean is like, can I can I draw? That does it mean like God is more strict in some circumstances and not so strict in the other? Does it because this is the beginning of um of the church movement? So gotta make it more strict, um, cause cause it almost like sounds to me and never happened in the modern time. How do you explain that? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think one thing about why this would be different than like now, or I don't know that it really has to do specifically with it being part of the early church. I think it has to do with you can see actually through Acts that there was a lot of spiritual power. That was present there, um, and I think that had a lot to do with people really kind of had a whole picture of following God. They had a picture of the Holy Spirit being very much part of that, and I think those are some things actually we've kind of lost in our living out of the gospel today. So I, I think that you don't see this this kind of power, whether it's in this situation, which is pretty extreme, or whether you see. Um, anywhere where like the Holy Spirit is moving, where people are being healed and things like that. I think that you would see things like that more now today if people really took um, kind of the, the Holy Spirit, the need for the Holy Spirit and ministry more seriously. Like it's really like God's presence is very much there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the reason that it happens this way. Like really in this, you imagine in this place where Peter is and they're bringing it to him, like mm-hmm. God's presence is like heavily you know, in this place. And so it's kind of like, because his presence is so heavily there, immediately there's action towards what happened. Immediately, Peter is a very like obvious representative of God there because of how heavy, you know, like God's presence is there, you know, how present he is. I think that um, as we, as God is really more present in front of us, really there is more, in a way there's more of this risk and there's more of the the kind of greatness of of life, mm-hmm. you know, being in front of him. Like God's God's self is it's very it's very frightening in a way, but it's also really the key to life is and, really getting near to God. Yeah, and the result is as this great fear. It's not just a small amount of fear. It's the great fear came over the whole church, which is things in in the Bible it, it says is good. Well, it doesn't say it's good, but it, it seems to me um, they they took it positively, and not only over the whole church. At that time, the church was already very big, right? Mm-hmm. And over all who heard of these things, so it has the impact on the society too. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it it does. I think it's very impactful. I think that. The heaviness, I, I keep saying the word heaviness, but like the bigness of and heaviness of God's presence um, when whenever there's been times in history that God has been very present, it has had a huge impact on society. Like I think about um, in the Old Testament when God first um, kind of showed up to the people in Israel and it was like they said like fire and smoke on the mountain. And his voice was so loud, people almost were like, get away from us. Just let Moses talk to him. But really, this impacted the whole history of Israel because God's presence was there. And people really felt it and knew 
that he was there. And it, it does have, it's the, the impact is actually bigger when God's presence is more like near and more on that place and more on that ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think of the example we use, um, well, this isn't, uh, okay, we're out of the role play. So I'm thinking of the example uh, we use for the French Revolution. Like think about if uh, a powerful ministry like this, mm -hmm. a powerful church planting, uh, spirit filled, you know, like that, because there is kind of like God judge at that instant, like mm -hmm. kind of try to show you if God judge in that instant, lie to Holy Spirit can cause what kind of a, a, a consequence. So it's mm -hmm. either here or there. Mm -hmm. There, I mean, on the judgment day, right? So if such kind of a great fear of God in France at that time, during the, before the French Revolution, really people would have a sudden thought that uh, um, uh, the, the eager, eager, the, um, the pressure of being hungry wouldn't completely just quickly move to like, hey, I just kill all those rich people. Mm. And then when for an individual farmer, they lay their knife onto a rich people, they would have a second thought that, hey, I will face this judgment. Mm. It's not like just just one more. I, I, I don't care whether this rich people really uh, oppressed um, uh, uh, poor people or not. It just since we're in a movement, everybody's killing everybody, then I just add one more life. What's the big deal of that? But but God is going to um uh what I say, uh God will call for account this uh this innocently killed life to hmm. to you. Hmm. The the how Bible say that? Uh the blood of the innocent will be cry on you. Will well, cry out, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And the land will be polluted. Mm -hmm. That's right, and and that's because actually, you know, the blood of the innocent crying out isn't because blood has a certain effect. It's actually because God is the king over everything, you know, and that God's judgment will not be silenced. You know, I think of in our recent reading with Jeremiah. And maybe kind of to summarize this topic too, what justice is like, it's like a burning fire in God's, you know, loins or in God's, you know, chest. It's like this, that's what Jeremiah said God's word is like to him. He's like, I, you know, I almost don't want, to, I don't want to speak it because, you know, he knew how the people would react. But he said, it. whenever I don't speak it, it's like this burning fire that's there. And I think God's justice is like that to him. You know, it's he is holding himself back for this time of grace and mercy, but he really in his character, he like every drop of blood that's spilled uh, in a way that's unjust. God, it's burning within him to have the just punishment for those things, to really have the justice paid out and dealt out for the evil deeds done on the earth. And Matthew five thirty-eight to 42 in a Sermon of the Mount, Jesus talked about, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheeks, turn to them on the other turn to them the other cheeks also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, 
hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go on one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So,、um, this verse, this passage in the context actually is not a verse. Um, the the purpose is not to um persuade everybody to be someone who's silly. Just you know, just don't think and just let people take advantage of you. Um, I I think uh so each passage, several passage in the um Sermon of the Mount actually um Jesus being a Jew, he's been using one of the uh popular technique is being said exaggerate actually in the in the public talk to. Really illustrate some point, and and according to the context, he because、uh, he talks about the law, he talks about hell. You know,、um, it's very big on.、Um, it's like he 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 tried to、um, introduce God's law really from God's heart, and to say God's law is is sacred, like don't trample on that. So what he says is like. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But oftentimes, when people take revenge, people wouldn't be so exact. People's anger can make that person go too far,、mm. and then that's what what it says. The part you go far, God will judge.、Mm. And to avoid that, why don't you actually go negative one, negative two? That's how he come up with like you instead you do this. This completely safe. Because the most important thing is the salvation. The most important thing is is not fall into God's judgment. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and to deal righteously. Yeah. And like like James says that our justice do doesn't as Jesus would do. Yeah, our justice doesn't meet the justice of God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah exactly, and and God does have that. Judgment, like that standard, is part of his character. Again, just like that, his love is part of his character. That loving truly, authentically, like we talked about last time, like truth is part of God's character. It's who He is,、um, you know. And then justice is is part of who who He is, and this this justice that things will be dealt with justly, that、uh, a person with another person. We'll treat each other well. We'll treat each other correctly, as as Christ would, and that that this is the standard that will be fulfilled on the earth is very heavy and big in God's heart. And so, when we think about God, we think about the God who is just, the God who's loving, the God who's just, the God who's true and right in all of His ways. And this this standard of justice, while it might seem like one of the more heavy things and one of the more heavy talks. It's really vital to God's character, and really vital that we grasp it. That God will see justice for every deed that we've done. Like sometimes preachers will use the example, like you know, like in a projector. Imagine all, every you know action you did, every evil thing you did, played out in front of all of your relatives and everyone you know. And really, that's what it will be like in a way in, on the judgment day. And and so we need to really seek Christ while there's still time. That we can really say we know that all those things were truly evil and wicked that we did, and we want your forgiveness, and we we want you to turn us around. We want you to make us a new cre creature, a new creature in Christ, Lord, because that that's the only way we can really.
that's the only way we can live. Like that, that's, it's, it, it ought to shock us and frighten us and, and drive us to a desire for righteousness when we Amen. really see the evil in accordance with God's judgment. Yeah, I will use the last verse to summarize um, God's character here. Uh, Numbers 14, 18, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. So God will not consider sin as sinless or or sinless as sinful. Mm, that's right. Very, very clear. Mm. So we hope you liked today's podcast and we hope you learned something, um, especially about yourself and about who God is. Um, we're going to continue this foundation series into the next episode. If you like this episode, please subscribe and like this podcast. And also visit our website, www.revivalinjesusway.com. And also we have a Facebook page um, and we share lots of extra resources there. Yep. Thank you.